I'm Jess Gorman, and I am a theater maker, and I am also an introvert. And I'm Phil Rickaby, and I am a writer and performer, and I am also an introvert. And this is The Introvert's Guide to... On The Introvert's Guide to, we talk about the introvert life and how to live it to the fullest. We'll choose a topic and discuss it, as well as try to find other helpful hints on social media and on the internet at large. If you want to drop us a line, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at introvertguide2, the number 2. And you can find the website at introvertsguide2.com. If you want to send us a message, you can do that through the website, or you can email us at introvertsguidetostuff at gmail.com. And remember, we may use your questions or comments on an upcoming episode of The Introvert's Guide 2. And if you like the podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a comment and a five-star rating. Your comments and ratings help new people find this show. But even better, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, if you know someone that you think might like The Introvert's Guide 2, tell them about it. Some of our favorite podcasts became our favorites because someone we know told us about them. Here's, a, I mean, this is sort of this could, might be a, a, a weird question to ask, but uh, it's in, it, it'll make sense as we go through. Mm-hmm. Um, the question that I have for you is: when you think of when other people are talking about the idea of success. What does that, what is your impression of what they are referring to? I'm going to tell you what I used to think it meant, and I'm going to tell you what I'm exploring instead. Okay, awesome. What I used to think it was, was a very shallow, just not, it was very vain, which was, oh, they must have a great job. They must love what they do. They have the best job ever. And it was all linked to what someone does to make money. And over the years, I realized just how, I don't know, empty that was. You you don't necessarily have to have the best job in the world and make lots of money to be successful. And and I know that might sound, you know, kind of, I know it sounds shallow, but it's what I was raised with when I was a kid, right? But what I am exploring now is how some how someone is what i'm exploring now is how self-assured somebody is how how somebody just feels so comfortable in who they are that to me looks like success i know what you mean i don't know if i i mean obviously to me uh their job or their job title always sounded like that was their success and also you know how big was their house? Did they go on lots of trips? You know, all of those sorts of things. But I think like you, as much as, you know, I would like to have a little bit more money in the bank and would like to go on a few more trips, that doesn't, in my mind, determine my success level. You mean that making theater doesn't make the big bucks? Stop it. Stop it I right know. now. I know. I know. I know. We are, all of us who make theater and in the arts, we're all just rolling in money. We're all silently crying right now. Yes, everybody. <laughs> anybody who's listening to this who is at all in the arts uh, is weeping. But what it comes down to is 
the fact that if you are, I think ultimately, if you are happy with what you do, if you are happy with your life, you are a success. And this has been another episode of The Introvert's Guide to. Uh, oh, well, you stole my joke. That's <laughs> out of And roll credits. <laughs> but I think, I actually think that the real damage that the society at large inflicts on everyone is the superficial idea of what success is. And I think that deconstructing that is super helpful because everybody's success is different mm -hmm. no matter what other people including your parents tell you yeah i think when we specifically look through the lens of introversion and what success looks like i think a lot of us fall into the trap of immediately going to lots of friends you We've said so many times on the show that, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with having just that small circle of friends. Like you can name all everybody that you love on two hands or one hand. There is nothing wrong with that. That That's perfectly healthy. But I think a lot of the times we think to ourselves, oh, if I want to be successful, I have to be somebody that everybody is just drawn to. Everybody just wants to be in my circle. Everybody wants to be my friend. There's something about me that they really like. And I find that to be a bit of a delusion, no matter who you are, introvert, extrovert, because it's a tough lesson to learn, but not everyone is going to be drawn to you. And that that in itself is OK, too. And I think there's some form of success there to overcome that need to be liked by everybody in order to see yourself as somebody, you know, as somebody that you yourself could love and like. What I find is really interesting about that is even after all of this time, I still sometimes find myself in that position of, of thinking about the importance of having lots of friends or having people drawn to me and that sort of thing. Like that becomes like a measure of success. How many people, I don't know, like me or something, or which is an interesting, which is an interesting di dichotomy considering that sometimes before big social events, I convince myself that nobody likes me. So it's like this this weird sort of pull between those two things. Definitely. And like, you've also got that point of, you know, how come nobody liked my Instagram post? How come I didn't get more than 10 likes, 20 likes? Yeah. And, and we tie that into success, even though, you know, I know myself, I'm not a big fan of social media. Like if you follow me on social media, you know, I do not post often. But when I do, it's special. Yeah, but that is that is yet another thing is that is that currently uh, the zeitgeist is very heavy on the social, whether it is mm -hmm. Instagram, Instagram Reels, whether it's TikTok, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Twitter or whatever is left of Twitter at this point, and and all of those things. Like the reaction that you get to a post is also something that we put on ourselves to measure success. Mm-hmm. And again, when, like you mentioned, like if if a, a post doesn't get many likes, there that can feel really uh, depressing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I've had to pull myself away from that too. My one of my favorite things that Instagram did was they had the option to remove if people can see how many likes that you got. Mm -hmm. 
I really like that. I, I think that's a new direction that social media should go into. Nobody needs to see how many likes you got. Sure. I think I think the, the depression is less about other people seeing how many likes you got, but you seeing how many likes you did not get. And that mm-hmm. that can be a very disheartening thing, especially if it is regarding something that you have been putting effort into. Absolutely. Right. If you're talking about if, if, if there's a project that you're talking about, if there's something that you've been working on that you're sharing, or even if it's just like, I thought I looked cute in this outfit and you don't get any responses on it or you don't get many responses, that can feel like really disheartening. Oh, definitely. If I can add one thing on there that actually, you know, to be vulnerable, something to me that kind of hurt about my likes. I think it truly, truly bothered me when I would post about my projects and things I would work on and it wouldn't get that many likes. But when I announced I got married or had a baby, I had so many likes. To me, that oh. felt, yeah, to me, that felt really, that felt discouraging. It was, uh, okay, so I basically have to do the normative thing in order for people to see me. But when I do something for my art and no one likes it or no one interacts with it, that feels to me i don't feel successful i don't feel as if i am fully embracing the artist's life if i don't just get out there and then i fall into this trap of oh my gosh i'm clearly not out there enough oh my gosh i'm i'm not doing this right i i need to reevaluate everything and i spiral out of control yeah i definitely i definitely know that feeling well not necessarily the having a baby or getting married but like the feeling of of trying to talk about something a project that i've been working on and not getting a lot of a lot of engagement or responses. But also it's sort of interesting that those are the things that sort of resulted in engagement for you. The tra- the traditional role. I'm getting married. Hey, that's that milestone. You know, hey, you had a baby, that's that milestone. And everybody's like, 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 like. And I I I mean I don't profess to be a social media expert. So I don't necessarily know what in the algorithm pushes that stuff and or what happens when. But again, like I can definitely see why that's a disheartening thing. And for other people, getting a response for those things might be like, oh, that's exactly what I wanted. But also there's other things. I like, for example, like I, I posted up doing this thing where I'm taking a selfie every day. I'm just trying a thing. To see if there's like a thing that I could do over over the next year. Whether I stick to it for a year, I don't know. Who cares? But I posted something on the weekend and I got one like. And that was like for a second I was like, oh, everybody hates me. <laughs> but but again, I also know about timing and I also know about time of day and I know all these sorts of things. So it wasn't that anybody hates me. It was just timing. So you learn lessons. Don't post on the weekend. Don't post too late in the evening. Don't post too don't post in the evening on the weekend or whatever. Like mm-hmm. all of these things that, that you can take into account. But again, these when you put effort into something and you put it out there and people don't notice it or pay attention to it or even give you the validation of a like, that can be discouraging. Definitely. Where did you find in your, like, uh, let me start that again. At what point did you find that you think you had success? And when you reflect back on it, it actually wasn't 
everything that you thought it was going to be? The truth is that I don't think I've gotten to that point where I can sit and say, I have found success. Mm-hmm. I've had some things that were successful for moments, for brief periods of time, but I haven't had, I haven't reached a point for myself where I thought, I feel like I am a success. Mm-hmm. That said, I think that there's a difference between being quote unquote a success and feeling successful. Mm-hmm. And I feel successful when I am able to keep churning out a weekly theater podcast, when I am able to keep putting out this podcast, when I'm when I realized that in the last week I wrote two thousand words on a on a on a fiction project. You know, these are the things that I could sort of say I feel successful in those moments. As to whether or not I will ever feel like a success, that's 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 hard to say. How about you? I think I think when I felt successful and it actually wasn't everything was when I got my first amazing review. When I got my first fringe review that was like everything I wanted it to be. And then it comes years later and that fringe review did not make me feel better today. Right. And I think what I'm starting to learn is success is just tiny little pieces. It's tiny little things that even you can find in just small things every day. I think one of the things about like getting a review or something like that and getting noticed is that in that moment, you could be like, I got this attention and everybody, the people think I'm good. And then you wait six months and nobody remembers the thing that you did. Nope. And that's show business, baby. Yeah. Some jazz hands. This is why we need this on YouTube. <laughs> that was why. <laughs> but you are correct. You are correct. Were there things that were sort of implanted in your mind, whether it's some kind of indoctrination or something like that, as you grew up that gave you uh, strange ideas about what success might be or might look like sort of and i'm so i'm grappling with it so when i was growing up in high school and i was graduating my parents thought it'd be a good idea that each summer i get a really good job to help pay my way through school and i did i worked at a motor company i will not say the name (laughs) I worked there every summer on the line in assembly. I was able to pay my way through school. And then I got all of these flashes and lessons and everything of, you know, you just need to work, 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 work now. So that way in the future, you're secure. Everything's fine. You know, you've got your RSPs. You, you've got your tax-free savings that just keep building up. You, you've got just everything that you could possibly need. And I found that what I was doing is I was robbing myself of so many opportunities because I was scared that it was whatever I was going to do was going to ruin my security in the future. This economy aside, which is crap (laughs) and no one can get ahead. Let's just say the economy was fantastic. Again, I robbed myself of so many opportunities because I was scared. 
And I think that because I was taught that, I was taught to really care about money and, and care where it goes and care if you spend too much of it or, or too little of it. I just didn't do as much as I should have. And I feel like I robbed myself of those tiny little successes, which is do something even though you're scared of doing it. So I don't, I didn't feel successful even though I tried to try my best. Yeah, I, I, I will, I will build on that because I spent basically my twenties not pursuing my theater career the way that I probably sh should have, and it was fear. It was fear based because I think ultimately the fear was of of rejection. What if I get into a show and people don't like it? What if? What if, what if? And so I talked myself out of so many opportunities before I even applied. And a lot of that was just, there's a fear of success, which is also like a fear of like, what if I get this, but nobody likes it? Or what if I don't get it? And then I am eternally like, I don't know, am I a failure or something because I didn't do it? As time goes on, I think to myself about how, you know, it is better to have tried than to say, what if I had? So, but I, I was too dumb in my 20s to really realize what I was robbing myself of at that time. I was very much afraid. So I didn't. Well, yeah, because we know everything in our 20s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you think you do. And then all of a sudden you realize how, oh, how much you don't know everything. We were babies. We were babies. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I mean, a couple of times I had, I had, I had a really bad audition once. Actually, I didn't think it was a bad audition, but apparently the person I was auditioning for did. And they wanted to give me notes after the fact. They called and they said, hey, would you like some notes? And I said, no. Yeah. No, As, you didn't give me the part. Don't need yeah, your. No, I don't need anything more. I don't think I don't. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear the rest of what you have to say. To be honest, but like part of me was like, maybe I should have just accepted the notes. But as he was saying, you didn't get the part. I didn't like your audition, and here's. I would like to be able to tell you why. I was like, I am too shattered by the fact that you start with. I don't like your. I didn't like your audition. I don't want to hear more. What a horrible! I find that unprofessional. It is unprofessional. Like, it, very because unprofessional. The truth is, the truth is, all I want to know out of one of those, like just whether it's an interview for a job or an audition for a gig, all I want to know is, did I get it or not? That's I it. More. I don't need any more information than that. Yeah, it's literally a job. Like I, I just want to get in and get out. I didn't get it. Fine. I'm going to move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Agree. But fear is definitely something to explore because I think mm -hmm. in that thing that you were, you know, when you were working that job, you were, you know, putting money away. You were doing the things that, that you were told you had to do. But in being told that it's something that you have to do, you were also robbing yourself of of actually doing the things that you had initially wanted to do. Yep. When I was, I remember when I was starting to audition for theater school back in the day, in a very long time ago, it was in ancient times, before the internet, they were, you know, occasionally somebody would say, 
someone say, I was thinking about, they go to the audition, they, they'd mention, I was thinking whether or not I should go and work for a year and then come back. And a very astute person said, that is a great idea. However, once you are out there and you are making a living and you are, you know, you're, you're bringing in money, you're paying your rent, you reach a certain level of the expected lifestyle and a certain level of comfort. Please understand how hard that is to now give to go to school. And that applies not just for theater school. That can apply for like any any course that you want to take, anything, anything like that. Because being a student usually entails a certain amount of well, student poverty, right? You're mm -hmm. you're you're making ends meet, you're eating lots of ramen noodles, you're doing all these things, you're you're just trying to scrape by. And it is hard to do that after having worked a full-time job and 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 made a living for a year. Yeah. And so even though that might be something that's a success, it might actually be to your detriment as you're moving forward with the things you want to do. Even to like to speak to that too, because that's actually the place that I'm at right now. It's I are, I have a certain lifestyle now that I'm accustomed to, and yet I get all of these job alerts that are all equity, things that are in my area. And my thing is, is if I do that and it works out, I've now, I feel like I just screwed myself because yeah, I may have gotten what I wanted, which is great, but now it's going to be a juggling act of trying to make this work mm -hmm. while also losing that money, right? And again, it comes right down to the money. It comes yeah. right down to the, what if it's not going to work out? What if, what if, what if, what if? Of course it does, because I mean, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. When you're in your 20s, you don't mind doing what you have to do, whether it's couch surfing, whether it's, you know, sleeping at the Y or whatever it is just to make shit happen. You're willing to 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 travel, to go and where where's the gig? Where's the job? I will go. I'll sleep on a couch. I'll make this work. As you get older. And people around you start to have things, homes, apartments, Xboxes, whatever it might be. It can be a real draw to be like, wow, these people who are my peers, they're my age group. They have these things and I don't. What does that mean? And there's a real draw. People tend to drop out of the arts a lot of times as they hit into their 30s. Yeah. Because, you know, also with that, just to put a little bit more in perspective, when you hit your 30s, your body starts to creak. You are going to want ibuprofen. You're going to want Tylenol. You're going to want some benefits. You're going to need massages. You're going to need things to help the quality of life as you sit on the couch and think, where the hell did this sciatica come from? And if you or, or you spent your whole life with like this, this, this mega metabolism, it didn't matter what you ate. You're just like, I'll eat all the things. I'm eating five burgers at a sitting. And then all of a sudden you turn 30 and your body goes, nope, not doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. No, nope. you have like one McDonald's burger and it's heartburn for yep. like the whole night. Yep. And your body is like, can you give me some raw veggies? Yeah. <laughs> Peru would be great. <laughs> like, oh man. 
I do think that the idea of success is something that is often like an idea of it is imposed on us both in media and often by parents. I don't come from an immigrant household, but I know people who do. And I know that there is a lot of pressure on first-generation immigrant children, especially, to do something, to be a certain way, to, to be a doctor, be an engineer, be a, 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 a lawyer, be something that has like a, a very respectable, high-profile title that pays a lot of money. And that can be a hard thing to, to reconcile. But as well, I think there's lots of other pressures that parents can put on their kids to, to, to give them an idea about what success looks like, which to a child often sounds like what su- kind of success is acceptable. That's re- oh, good wording. Absolutely. I, I mean, like, I, I, I remember telling my parents at one point I wasn't sure if I wanted kids. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. But no, I remember telling them and they were like, you know, oh, you're going to change your mind. But I'm telling you now, like, you need to have kids. I want grandkids. You need to give a grandkids. Like, it just, if I didn't have kids, if I decided not to, I know that they, they just, it would be really, really tough to not feel like I let them down. And it would be that, so tough. Absolutely. That is such a... It's a difficult conversation to have with parents mm-hmm. because your parents, they have this idea of what they want for your life. And oftentimes it can, it can be that. I know plenty of people who've, who've had that, had to have that conversation with their parents and ultimately they put it off and they put it off and they put it off. And it's like, they, you know, the parents, you know, if they're, if one of their siblings has a baby and they're holding the baby and it's the, that looks really good on you. <laughs> right. Like that kind of thing. Like, and that's the, you know, and, and, and those are little digs to be like, when are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? Or even just like, I bet you would have beautiful kids, all that sort of stuff. Like you have to eventually, you can only put it off for, for so long before you have to try to have a conversation with the parent to say, if you were, if you dedicated to being child free, you have to come out and say it. That's right that you are going, your parents are going to have to come to terms with the fact that you're not having children Yep. as a choice. Yep. I'm going to put this out there right now as a parent. (laughs) If anyone ever tells me I just made the choice to not have kids, I will not utter one moment out of my mouth. You might change your mind though. We, I think we're entering to this beautiful new dawn where you should no one's going to be expected to have kids i mean like you know that's a big conversation i'm not going to go sure. there but i mean in terms of socially with other folks and especially with uterus owning people you don't have to have kids if you don't want to that's a totally valid choice and and that's going i think that's going to be respected one day i do i think so I think too well. and i think cuz i think it's super important because there is nothing worse than somebody who doesn't want to be a, a parent being told over and over, oh, when you are a parent, everything will change. And then they have a child and it doesn't. And there's nothing worse than regrets. Apparently there are Facebook groups out there of parents who are like, I regret having my children. They're closed Facebook groups. Yeah. But they will they they will voice their their feelings about about 
how they regret having children. That's and totally valid. It is totally valid. And it's terrible that they were put in that position and they were lied to and told, it's everything will change for you once you have children. And then they do and it doesn't. Right. It's, yeah, it's a sad reality, unfortunately. And so with that being said, kids are also not a mark of success, whether or not you've had them. And Absolutely. I had friends that used to believe that in their 20s. Like they would be like, well, you know, I'm fine. I've got my kids. I've got my husband. I got my car, my house. And I think that woman specifically, I think that woman over there is sad because she doesn't have any of that. When meanwhile, it actually could be something totally different that this person is just not happy just because they don't have kids. They're not married. Don't have the van full of kids. Like that doesn't mean that they're unhappy too. So, you know, it is totally valid to not have children. It's yeah. okay. That, that's not the mark of success. Sorry. That's where I was going with it. And I yeah. think other people do need to get that out of their mind that somebody must be depressed because they don't have those things. And that person is obviously better off in life because the opposite is true. Yeah. I think success, You, I think ultimately you have to come to some kind of idea of what success is for you. And it can't be, you can't take it as something that anybody else has sort of given you, suggested to you, put on you. You just have to find your own definition of success. And that can be hard because sometimes the idea of being successful feels like it comes externally with respect from other people or the idea of of people looking at you as a success. I will be a success when people look at me as a success, which is a circular argument. Have you found little tiny pieces of success in your life and are you willing to share? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for those of you who aren't in the arts or in theater, some of them are going to involve theater. Um, probably most of them are going to involve theater. So just accept that. I have been, I've had a few shows that I've been involved with the creation of that have been acclaimed. The first show that I did with, with Keystone Theater, which is a company that I was a founding member of that created play in the style of silent film. And that's what we did. And we created a show called The Bell of Winnipeg. And it was, it was a, a hit. Uh, it was completely self-funded, so we could only run for two weeks. But it was, it was a hit. It, was, it had a claim. It was award-winning. And so that's, that's something, like to have been like part of the creation of that show. Also, my two solo shows have all, have both won awards. So uh, uh, to be creating something like that and to present it and then have it both get great reviews, make it, have it win rewards. Those are, those are, are things that, that I'm very proud of. And I feel very successful having done those. Lovely. I like that. I said that so. How about you? I did. You I did. Very, very, yeah. (laughs) I'm so sorry. That's my my mom voice coming. I was like, your mom voice was like, it was like you were watching Blues Bluey or something. And that's, that's what came out. I almost said Blues Clues. and I don't even know if that's on the air anymore. It is. And I love it. That was my favorite when I was a kid. (laughs) A 90s kid. So. How about, same question for you. Do you have successes that you would like to share? I have, I have one similar to yours, which mine is, 
my success, though it was not critically acclaimed, mine was spending two years devising a show, producing it, editing, editing, and and I actually got a rather large grant for it. That was success to me. I can't believe that I convinced a jury that my project deserves funding and we got it and it was great and we were able to put it on at a beautiful studio in a metropolitan area and we had people come and people I don't even know I don't even know who they were and they came and we got a standing ovation and it was amazing and from there I had faith in myself as a leader I I know I can lead and I think to me that was success yeah but then on the other side of that, just from this last year of being a stay-at-home mom, I think for me, success was one day waking up, or like one night, I should say, actually. It was nighttime, and I was going to bed, and I had a whole bunch of stuff to do that was just errands, and I think I found myself loving my quiet, small little life. And it was just this tiny little space that is mine, that I cultivated with my little family. And I just, I love that I have this big form of success with this tiny little piece. And yet they're both so beautiful in their own right. I, I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are other little successes throughout each day, like, mm -hmm. did I write today? Anytime I'm able, I have a little checkbox if I was able to write today. I check that off. That's a success. And uh, things like that. Like moments when I can find creativity and also when I also still find time for myself. Because I think that it's really easy to be like, success is this one thing and I am going to do nothing but that. And I spend 12 hours a day doing nothing but that. And I get some sleep and I do nothing but the thing that I think I need to do to get success. And mm -hmm. then... All of a sudden, you realize that you haven't had a moment for yourself in 10 years. Yes, absolutely. And when you warn yourself ragged like that, is that is it success when you end with like, oh, I haven't been very good to myself. You know, and just on that note, too, speaking of taking the time for yourself, self-care sometimes doesn't equal success. Because sometimes self-care is not the same for everybody. Some, I, I'm going to get specific here, but one piece of self-care advice that I hate is when people say, you should make your bed first thing in the morning. Because if you get nothing done, at least you did that. I don't like that because I think that ignores a lot of mental health issues. Sure, Some yeah. people can't get out of bed first thing in the morning, right? And I have no desire to make my bed first thing in the morning. My bear's my, my bear. <laughs> my my bed is pretty bare minimum when it comes to that for that reason. I think success to me if somebody can't get out of bed and they just manage to shake their sheets clean of crumbs. Or they manage to just switch out water glasses 
to me, those are little pieces of success. No, they don't look like the perfect self-care list, but it's the self-care that works for you that I think is quite successful. Absolutely. I really think that the idea of, of success is something that there are so many ideas about what it is being an entrepreneur, which means in many people's mind, being rich, being a, an influencer, which means having lots of followers and you assume also being rich. There's a lot of externalities to the idea of success and also making your bed every day is also an externality because it doesn't really, I mean, honestly, it doesn't really do that much for you. Who cares if you got your bed made? It doesn't do anything except that maybe your bed is nicer to get into at night, but you can really, at the end of the day, right before you get into bed, just strain those sheets, boop, 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 crawl in. Same thing. It really Same is. Same thing. It really is. So though externalities are, although we hear a lot about externalities, you know, it has to do with money. It has to do with acclaim. It has to do with, with followers. It has to do with, with attention. Those often those externalities don't actually equal happiness, which is really what we should concentrate on for success. Because what success matters if at the end you aren't happy? Right. And I think that a lot of times as introverts, we have a lot of ideas about what being a success as an introvert means. And because many of our ideas come from a an extroverted society, it leads us into feeling like we're not successful because we feel like, oh, I don't have a lot of friends. And so I guess I'm not a success. I don't like going to parties. I guess I'm not a success. I don't like going to schmoozing. I don't like networking. I don't like these sorts of things. I guess I'm not a success. Mm -hmm. But success is something for you to define for yourself, not other people. On social media, we asked, what does success look like to you, either in work or in life? How do you define it? And what, who, do you look, who do you look to as a successful introvert? Got a couple of comments on that. Uh, uh, Ray said, I keep seeing videos from one of those billionaire motivation guys, but he said literally every innovative mover and shaker he worked with was an introvert. Now, I find that interesting, and I, although I don't think that those billionaire motivation guys are particularly what we should aspire to as success, mostly because if they are billionaires, then they are exploiting the worker, and I cannot get on board with that as an avowed socialist and, and, and power to the worker, eat the rich. No, I, I, I'm not going to follow a billionaire, but- I wonder how many, how many, how many conservatives I just lost with saying that. But that's okay. I know our I, subscribers just plummeted. No, no, no. Hopefully by now they realize that I am extremely left leaning, and uh, I don't think really both are. Absolutely, and I, hopefully they they still like us even if they are not. Now, oh man, that's not the part. That's not the point that I'm trying to make. What I, I think that I'm trying to make is I I'm, I want to concentrate on the idea of. Innovative movers and shakers being introverts. 
Mm-hmm. And I think some of the reason for that is introverts, as we've met, obviously we've discussed many times, are able to see things that others can't. We listen. And because we're doing those things, we often think away from the, 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 the norm. And because we don't small talk very much, we usually just get right to the point. So we can be a little bit concise when we're pitching or when we're doing things like that. So it kind of makes sense to me that a lot of people who are like entrepreneurs and movers and shakers would be introverts. But again, a lot of times people think that because they're an introvert, they can't do that. So I find it interesting uh, and something maybe to to mark as an introvert that you are a mover and shaker and you're an innovator just in the way that you think. And if I may, that answer right there is exactly why I don't have a social or sorry, why I don't have to the Internet. (laughs) Because if you look up on on the internet, it will sure. literally be what you just said there. <laughs> right. So, right. I, I I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, it, you know, again, it's interesting because the comment is regarding somebody who is sort of a mark of what we were just saying that doesn't necessarily mean success. Mm-hmm. So... If you're an introvert and you're looking at this and you're like, what does that mean? It means I still stand by it. You make your own success. And that doesn't mean you're going to be a billionaire. Don't be a billionaire. They shouldn't be billionaires. But You don't need a billion dollars. You don't need a billion dollars. You just need to be comfortable and you need to be happy. So that should be the thing that we focus on. Mm-hmm. Oh. JR said, balance, but it's elusive. I need to balance respite with social time, learning time, work, exercise, creative time, time for loved ones, downtime, video games. Just when I find I'm getting enough of one, I am either neglecting another or going down a rabbit hole fixating on another. It's a moving target with no silver bullet solution. (laughs) That sounds like my husband. Just eat way too much on the go, but it's not a bad thing. To me, that's not a bad thing to fall into a rabbit hole. I, I don't know. I find it to be more... I, it's nice to explore these things. I think that a rabbit hole... A rabbit hole can be fun to explore. Mm-hmm. I say go down the rabbit hole and see what comes out the other side. Absolutely. Um, it's the, For me, I think it's the balance of the of the important obligation, the thing that you have to do. And trying to make sure that you are also able to balance time for yourself, the downtime, the rabbit holes, all of it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't avoid a rabbit hole. Rabbit holes have gotten me some great ideas in the past, and I've learned some incredible things just by following a rabbit hole. Oh, totally. Um, Lean into it. Absolutely. And I think that I personally, I think that 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 these are things that you, as long as you are, as long as you are meeting your obligations then all of the other things you can do one you can do a bit of one i tend to spice things out through the night i'll do like some writing for two hours and then it's like video game brain off or i'm reading or i have a lego set that i'm putting together so i'll like put that together like i'll work on that so all of these things but it's all like 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 time Mm -hmm. i think about one of the things that i think about is 
years ago I had a teacher that 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 mentioned that Shakespeare didn't sit down and write one play. Mm-hmm. He wrote several at one time. So he had his different parchments and papers and he wrote he wrote and then he was done with that and then he wrote with this one and then he wrote on this one and I thought that's a kind of a great way to work. Work until you're bored with one, go on to something else, and then you can go back to that other one as soon as you feel a bit replenished. The, the idea for that one is freed up. Absolutely. It, it's always going to be there. You can come back. Yeah. That was sort of why you know I panicked a lot when I was, you know, it had been three years since I had been away from theater, but my life was just getting ahead of me, right? I, I was going somewhere else, and I thought to myself, okay, but I'm not spending enough time with theater. I need to come back. I need to come back. And meanwhile, it's not going anywhere. Still there. <laughs> it's, I I think it's great when we can explore other things in life and, and we can move outside of what we think we have to do in order to be successful. I mean, one little bit of success for myself that I, I found just by going down those rabbit holes, it's going to be so random. I absolutely have a knack for geology and volcanology i do i have a knack for it i i okay. i i was so totally i that's something i really love and why because i took the time to go down the rabbit hole <laughs> do you think i wrote about theater i did not i binge watched national geographic just give me a good documentary on some interesting sand that was found that's been around for like over a million years and you can't find it anywhere else. And why is it there? I'll go there. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna go nuts on that. So like I tend to fall down these 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 rabbit holes of history. Like for example, I found out that like they say that fifty percent of people in Iceland believe in elves and fairies. And I was like, well I gotta learn about that. So why? Why do they still believe in that? And also, what are their cultural practices around that? What do they do? Like, what are all the things that they do? And then I'll be, I'll like follow these, 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 these rabbit holes. And sometimes it just starts on Wikipedia. Like you look up an article about something and then it has a link and you're like, oh, what's that? And you go and then you keep going and you keep linking. And then two hours have passed and you were just like, just you thought that five minutes have passed. Oh, absolutely. My heritage, Irish. Like, I'm first-generation Irish. It, I, we can trace it all the way back, right? I will read the crap out of our folklore. And very oh, shit, yeah. Fair, changelings, banshees, anything, give it to me. We'll, we'll, we're going to read about it, right? And it does start Absolutely. with Wikipedia because they make little yeah. other pages that you can go and visit. It's all connected. Yeah, yeah. On any place that that still, I mean, because you know we have this this cultural thing where we're like, oh, fairies are so happy and carefree, and it's like if you were to look into any of the stories, you will learn that those are motherfuckers. They are. Uh, <laughs> they are. With they all due like respect you. to any fairies that are listening to this thing, don't come at me. Don't. Well, anyway, that's stupid. I might cut that out. Um, uh-huh. don't cut it out. It's cute. Once again, there's the mom voice. There, there you is. go. There it was right there. That was total mom voice. Did we learn anything today? I 
I think I was reminded that, and I say that a lot, I didn't learn anything, but I was reminded. But it's true. I think in terms of my introversion, my success does not look like how well I can streamline all of my friends, how well I can categorize everybody and keep them all organized in a little box. Instead, my successes come from the moments that I can enjoy being around the people that I love. And I can feel at home with them and at peace in my own life, in my quiet little life. And that's what I love. Nice. Thanks. I think that 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 for me, it's just the reminder of how an external success is not necessarily your success. That a success that that comes from from other people or people telling you what success should look like ends up being just generally unsatisfactory. You should only, you should decide on what success looks like for you and it should largely it should largely be based around what makes you happy. So just a quick reminder that that we give you this podcast for free every two weeks. We put work into it. We really bring it to you. It is a labor of love. We don't have advertising. We don't have sponsors. It essentially costs us money to put out, but we do it because it is a, a, a passion project. If you enjoy this podcast and you would like to help us to cover the costs of this, this podcast, there is a link in the show notes, which you can find on your podcast app or, in the, or, or on the website, where you can find a link to donate to the show. If four people donated $5 on a monthly basis, we would cover the cost of hosting this podcast alone. So think about, about whether, about, think about, think about uh, uh, supporting this show. And thank you so much for listening because even if you can't donate, the most important thing that we can do and the thing that makes us the happiest is the fact that you're listening to us right now. 